0: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Scott, did you want to um, transition a little bit to Dmitry Orlov's uh, impact? I mentioned earlier He and Hathaway come over. They traveled from Washington, I believe, to Seattle, and then I think they they drove to Vancouver for like like a a midday game up there. So, look, you don't even right now it's like even right now it's tough to judge these guys because of the travel they've had and they've they've barely even had a chance to practice and get to know these systems. So I'm not asking for for a grade on these guys. Um, I think it's gonna take some time, and and I think they're gonna they're gonna hit the ground running for this team. But that said. Orloff with two goals and an assist last night in in, um, in in Calgary. I believe he may have had an assist in uh, in Edmonton as well.
2: He had two in Edmonton.
1: So he's got five. So he's got five points in his first three games with Boston. Yeah. Like you know, it's I, I don't I don't think Bruins fans um, necessarily realize, and they many might, but some might not, just how good Orlov is he's not like, like, he's not like even a fourth defenseman. Like he was a top parent defenseman on a Stanley cup winning team within the last five years. And his play hasn't dropped off really. Like he's, and he's like, he's a, you're, you're, you're looking at your, your decor and like Bridget's here question a few weeks ago, you were like, who is the most valuable defenseman on the team this year, McAvoy or, or Lynn Holman like McAvoy has 42 points in 47 games.
3: No, he was just like, hold my beer. He was just like, guys, this conversation is over. (laughs) And then what did I do the next day? I ended up um, writing, not the next day, but the next week, I ended up writing an article about how great McFoy is and, and, you know, the, the strides he's taken and all of these different stats that put him in the top, you know, I think top six um, defensemen in the league and, and whatnot. So um, it was more just a conversation and, it was it, at the time too, and at points in the season, Lindholm has been really good. Um, hard to argue, um, but McAvoy just now he's looking completely healthy, and he's kind of just like Richard, yeah, That was a stupid question. Well,
1: it, it it wasn't a stupid question. It was valid. It, 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 so don't I, I wouldn't be uh, regret <laughs> yourself for that. Um, but but the point is the point that I'm making is so McAvoy has what 47 points and. Uh no, 42 points in 47 games. Lindholm, 40 points in 60 games. But my point is Orloff is a bona fide top pairing guy. Like you can make the argument that Grizzlick and Carlo are like fringe if you really wanna do it. I, I don't think that, I don't think on their own Grizzlick's a top pairing guy and Carlo's a top pairing guy. I think they can play it if depending on who their partner is. But Orloff is a bona fide top pairing guy. You have three of those guys in your on your D now. Anyway, long-winded way of of throwing it back to you guys and just your impressions of him so far uh, in Calgary and in his other couple of games.
2: Yeah, I mean, Orlov's been awesome, like, above what was advertised. And, you know, I think that – I was thinking about this, too, is, like, you always – it's hard to really get, like, a great judgment on defensemen if you're not watching them every night. So, with this trade, it's like I feel like there's a little bit of what we saw with the Hampus Lindholm trade last year, where it's like they come over and you actually start to see it every night and notice it, and you're like, oh, this is why this guy's such a good defenseman. Like, all right, I'm starting to see it. And, you know, both Orlov and Hathaway, I think, were fairly quiet the first game, but that was to be expected. You know, like you already covered, they had just traveled, they get in late Friday night, and then they're playing Saturday afternoon. Like, I write that one off, and that's also why, you know, people were like, "Oh, why? Why'd you play him on his offside his first game?" And I was like, "Well, hold on, like, I I would just write off that first game completely. He plays his strong side on the left with McAvoy. His second game looks great. Then they put him back on the offside with Lindholm, which I think is obviously a better fit with him than uh, being next to forward on the third pair." I think Orlov and Lindholm can really feed off each other with how active both of them are. And I think even just in one game together, I think you saw that at times where, you know, they were kind of a little bit interchangeable in terms of sides and get see like some of the mobility that both of them can bring. But yeah, I mean, the way he gets involved in the offense, uh, take, you know, I don't know what kind of defense Calgary was playing on that, on his first goal, but they kind of just parted the Red Sea for him and he took it and scored. Uh second goal looked like a set play off a of face-off and he just rips a slapper past Dan Vladar. So uh, you know, and then the nice pass to Zaka on the game time goal in the third. But yeah, you're, you know, look, he's not gonna be a huge, huge points guy. He's not gonna be averaging over a point per game the rest of the way or anything like that. But he has offense in his game. He's a good skater. He's very smart at the puck. He's a good passer, has a good shot, all of that. And and he's good defensively. So, like, yeah, he's, at worst, he's the number three defenseman on this team. Like, he, he's better than everyone other than McAvoy and maybe Lindholm. Um, yeah. yeah, I think so far his his ice time has been basically right in line with Lindholm. And, like, I could see that holding up. I could see both of them, you know, consistently around 20, 21 minutes in the regular season, bump it up by a couple in the playoffs. Like he's going to play a lot. He's going to play in all situations. You know, maybe we'll see about power plays gotten a little bit of time in the second unit. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's a really good two-way player. It's playoff proven. Um, and I think, you know, fans are probably starting to see that. Whereas you know, you, you probably knew him a little bit from his time in Washington. Obviously, they had a playoff series against him, but you don't see it all. You don't see – you don't notice him every single shift when he's playing for another team.
3: Yeah, and, and he, he played 43 games with Washington this year, had three goals. He's played three games with the Bruins and has two goals. So two of his five goals have come – well, first of all, they came in one game against Calgary, but his offense – I don't I don't know if we're, we should really expect it to to keep at this pace obviously um he's not going to be having very many two goal games but it was impressive that he had the one um in Calgary in the first place but Um, Yeah, I do think there's still some feeling out to do with him in terms of where he fits best. Um, There was a bit of a defensive breakdown with him and Lindholm at one point. It was just a miscommunication. That happens, um, especially when guys are already tired, like you mentioned. Um, So I do think there's still more for us to learn about where he fits best in the lineup. Um, And he's a great addition. And, you know, the Bruins have been able to – take Grizzly out at times, take Clifton out at times. Um, And I think, you know, what we're going to have to keep coming back to this. Like, oh, you know, is anyone sitting for too long or whatnot? Um, But as of right now, they've been able to try him in different places. I expect he'll be moved even more um, to try to figure out where he fits best or even not even just where he fits best, but can he play? Or like, can we get him time with Ex defenseman in case this person's normal partner is hurt at some point and just a lot more um rotating and situational stuff.
1: Yeah, it was just impressive to me to watch him against uh as, as good as he was against Calgary, the, like there was some standout plays against the uh the Oilers. Like McDavid gets goals 49 and 50. But so one can say, well, Brian, he had two goals. How how quiet was he that night? But like he he really was. McDavid was pretty much kept at bay outside of, you know, a couple of you know goals. I think the first one Swayman probably should have had. Uh the second one was just a breakdown four and four, I believe. But like there was leading up to Nick Felino's goal against the Oilers, like Orloff stands up who? He stands up Connor McDavid. And the puck goes the other way and you know, coil to Felino and the pucks in the back of the net. So um when he's when when he's not scoring goals like he did last night, necessarily. He still plays with an edge and some snarl, and he's, he's in your face, and he has good gap control and and, and whatnot. So I think he's a – I just think he's – I was just really surprised that, that the Bruins added a guy like that because I just didn't – it's not something I, I foresaw coming. Like, I didn't realize that the – like, the Capitals are in a playoff spot. Like, I didn't think that they'd be selling off, like, a top-pair defenseman. You don't really see that. You don't see a team in a playoff position – Trade away one of their top two guys. Well, you even the Oilers
3: to... just traded, um, the the day after the Bruins played them, the oil, uh, the Oilers <laughs> made a trade with Carolina. Um, but uh, one one last thing about Orloff was that in after the first period, um, Sophia asked him, no, I, I think he this was before the second goal, I think, but she said, you know how how is it that you've been able to have four points in four periods? And he said, it's cause I'm on a good team. <laughs> like basically just he's, he feels like he has the ability to jump into the offense. Um, he knows that's the style that the team plays. And he knows like when you're on a pair with Charlie McAvoy, you can step in and know Charlie McAvoy is going to get back for you. If you, if you're a little bit overcommitted into um, you know, taking a shot and, and working on the offense. So Uh, I think he feels like he's found himself a really good situation where he can do some things that he hadn't been able to do in Washington this year um, offensively. And, you know, I'm sure he's a guy that doesn't look for necessarily to be the the first guy to shoot transition and just go right towards the goal, like um, at different points. But now he has the ability to do that if he wants to and doesn't feel like, you know, oh, I should just like wait for Passenach to come here and and, uh, dish it off to him.
2: Yeah, the Oilers trade back with Nashville for Matias Ekholm, which big upgrade for their defense. And, you know, by the time someone in the West does something, it feels like it's just been all the Eastern contenders loading up. Um, but, yeah, Orlov played nearly nine minutes against McDavid at five on five in that game, uh, second most on the team behind only McAvoy. And the Oilers only had four shot attempts and two shots on goal during that time. Uh, he was out there for McDavid's first goal, but really wasn't, you know, he wasn't at fault at all. It was really McAvoy. You kind of lost his gap control just by like half a step, but that's all it takes when it's Connor McDavid coming the other way. Um, but yeah, so there's going to continue to be a rotation. They will keep trying Orlov in different spots, um, figure out, you know, what works best, but wondering, you know, do you guys have, because I feel like this rotation has been a big talking point. And, you know, as long as it's, Hey, it's like literally a strict rotation where it's one guy's out one game, different guy, the next, different guy, the next, which is what it's been so far. So far it went Clifton, Grizzlick, Carlo, we'll see if it's next, but do you think anyone ends up being out for a little longer at any point in time? And, who do you think
1: it is? Uh, so, personally, I, I feel that if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, my top six is McAvoy and Orlov, Lindholm and Carlo, Forbert and Clifton. I just feel like I feel like if you look at what, you, what each individual skill set brings to the table, I feel like they all bring a unique skill set and something different. And I feel like Orlov can bring what Grizzly brings but with a little bit extra edge and a little bit extra physicality. And that's, trust me when I say this, it's not a knock on Matt Grizzlick. But if you're asking me in a playoff series, would I rather sacrifice Grizzlick's transition skills and skating skills and puck moving skills when Orlov can bring those things anyway? Or do I want to sacrifice the physicality that Connor Clifton brings you? Or the penalty killing prowess that Derek Forbert brings you and the size that he just naturally brings you Again, it's nothing against Matt Grizzly, but I would I would have to sub in Orloff for Grizzlick. And I also just don't think because like, cause like McA- if you do Orloff and Lindholm, I don't think McAvoy and Carlo is what you want. So it would be McAvoy, Orloff, Grisly, um, Carlo Lindholm and Forbert Clifton for my money. And it's not a knock on Grizzly. It's just, I'm just trying to look at it analytically. Like, what does each guy bring to the table separately? And I just don't want to get rid of that physicality that Connor Clifton brings. He leads the Bruins and hits, or at least he did until Hathaway joined the team. So I'm not getting, I'm not taking that out of my lineup if I'm given the choice.
3: Yeah. I was on Keith's show yesterday and he was like, he, I, I wanted to give him, like, you know, he thought it was a cop out answer. I was like, whoever's least healthy. Whoever's least healthy is who you you take out of the rotation at that time. And there's going to be a point in time where someone is banged up. So that's the real answer. But if everyone's healthy, then I agree. I think it has to be Grizzly just because of where, where Orlov would slot in. Um, and you're not going to be th- – I don't see there being a Grizzly-Clifton pair as your, as your third pair. Like that's not something that we've seen. Um, this year, really at all? Uh, Scott, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that's been fair at any point. Um, this season, so, um, it, it just so happens it that may group like, have
2: it, at one point.
3: It, I can't remember um seeing them together. Um, it's really just. Uh, point remains it's not a pair that has a lot of chemistry if you if you were to put them together necessarily based on time spent in the past um it's not been a lot of time so it, it's unfortunate for a Grizz like that when you add in Orlov and it's it's not a you know a depth defenseman that one of the guys in the top four is probably going to be the one that um either has to move down or move out Um, I I am opposed to him sitting out for a a long stretch of time. I think he needs to at least be playing once a week. Um, Anyone who's coming out of the lineup as in the Bruins top seven defensemen needs to be playing at least once a week, in my opinion, unless there is that one person that's not healthy.
0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Yeah, I think Grizzly Clifton, I think, actually started last season together when Cassidy tried the board McAvoy thing and the top pairing, which obviously didn't work well. But I think I remember Grizzly Clifton like actually playing pretty well, but it's just a totally different kind of third pairing like that's you're not giving them like the heavy D zone shifts obviously Grizzly's not doing forwards people so it's just a totally different dynamic with you guys I thought it was pretty telling that last night you know we're talking about how tired the Bruins looked second night of a back to back Grizzly's the fresh body who comes in and finishes sixth the nice time among Bruins defensemen um played uh 1553 And, you know, normally like you you would say, oh, well, if there's a ton of penalties, that would make sense because he doesn't play much on power play or penalty kill. But that wasn't really like a penalty fest last night. I mean, it's probably about average. Each team had three power plays. But like there was a lot of five on five play and Grizzly still ends up six in ice time. It's like you would think, you know, the guy coming in fresh would be if anything, like the guy you'd want to lean on for more minutes and, you know, maybe help pick up the slack for other guys. So I think – and he's had a few games recently where his ice time has been down. So I think, uh, you know, Jim Montgomery, to me, ice time always kind of tells a story. And right now it seems like in Montgomery's – Grizzly is probably seventh among the group.
3: Um, Do you think maybe he's banged up at all a little bit? Maybe he's in need of rest?
2: I, don't know. I mean, maybe uh, you know, I know Sweeney mentioned on Thursday night when we talked to him that you know, a couple of guys have been dealing with, you know a little bit banged up here and there, but I definitely don't think it's like anything serious that would cause him to like actually have to have reduced ice time. I just think uh, you know, I think Montgomery's kind of just leaning on other guys more right now.
1: Well, well, also like and last night was an example of a playoff caliber team that you're playing now, I know Calgary's fighting it right now, but I'm saying like stylistically they're big, they're physical um, tough to play against. And that's historically the type of game where it doesn't suit like the best. And, and and it's important to mention, like I acknowledge that analytically Matt Gryzlik is like one of the more proficient defensemen in the league at like five on five, you know, plus minus and, you know, chances against and stuff like that. I get that. I really do. Um, and we wouldn't be having this conversation if the defense when they brought in at the deadline was Gavrikov or Luke Shen. In that instance, I'd be saying, "Well, maybe Forbert's the guy that might be." You know, I, I don't know because because it's it, it's the type of guy they bring in. Orlov brings what Grizzly brings. Like he he brings the best of Matt Grizzly. Now the analytics might be in Grizzly's favor this year, but a lot of that's who the team he's playing for too. Um, so it's, again, it's not against, it's nothing against the player. It's about, like, it's just sometimes the eye test uh, doesn't fail. And while, while like, Grizzly brings a unique skill set to this team until they brought in Orlov, And Orloff has that skill set and then some. So that's why, I, for me, he's kind of, might be the arm man out, regardless of how good his analytics have been, his plus minus has been, all that stuff. Like, you look up and down the, the, the six defensemen um, outside of Grizzly and, Look at what they bring. They bring something that that Matt can't bring, like Connor Clifton's physicality, the way he reverse hits guys in the corner, the way he, you know, embraces contact and and plays the body. Like Matt Grislick, no, no, like no, offense. that's not his game. You need that style in the playoffs. I'm not taking that out of my lineup. I don't like. Doesn't matter to me. So, um, it, it's it's it, again. It, it's is it a moot point? Yeah, potentially because we all know. The playoffs are a grind. The regular season's a grind. Something's going to happen. Injuries here, or there. It's not a big, but it, it's a conversation piece, right? Um, I did want to briefly bring up the other addition. Uh, and uh, and, and I, I don't think Garnet Hathaway's impact has been felt the way it's going to be felt. I think his first game at the Garden is going to be pretty cool Thursday. But um, like one example of something that he brings to the table is the Thomas Nosek goal uh, in Edmonton. Edmonton scores a goal in the first minute and a half, two minutes of the game. And what do the Bruins do? Thirteen seconds later, they win a face-off, they get to work down low. And Garnet Hathaway outbodies and outpositions Darnell Nurse, who is a big mean physical defenseman, and Hathaway gains inside position on him. Why? Because he's not afraid to do so and he has the strength to do so. And he directs the puck to the towards the front of the net and, and no sick ties the game one to one, changes the momentum of the game right then and there. And, like, little things like that is what a guy like him brings to your team. Not on a nightly basis where he's going to score a hat trick, but it's the little things with him, and that's exactly why they went out and got him, one of the reasons.
2: Yeah, and, I again, like, same with Orlov. It's, like, fairly quiet first game, but you've definitely seen his impact the last two, or especially that Edmonton game. You know, maybe um, Calgary a little quieter, but. Uh, even that winning goal in Edmonton that Zach ends up scoring, the whole sequence starts with Hathaway having a hard hit on Cody Ceasley on the four check that kind of pops the puck loose. Bruins end up getting possession. It's the Bruins' fourth line out there against the McDavid, Drysidel, Hyman line. And they pin them in, and they're stuck in their own zone defending. And the Bruins end up getting a full change to get the check line on and the Oilers superstars are still out there stuck defending and they're on the ice when Zach ends up scoring and that whole sequence starts with Hathaway on the four checks. So yeah, like you're seeing what he can bring. You you see, you know, the way Sweeney put it, uh, you know, anxiety on the four check, like Hathaway can bring that. And I think you're only going to see more and more of it, especially as, we ramp up towards the playoffs and, and get into the playoffs. I also think his, Hathaway's defense, I think, has looked strong. His details in the zone, he wins battles along the wall to help get pucks out. Um, he's had some good back checks. He's looked good in the penalty kill. Like That's that's the other part of his game where it's like, this is not just someone who runs around throwing a bunch of hits. Like He's also a really smart player who just gets it at both ends of the ice.
3: Yeah. And I don't have much more to add because, you know, that's pretty, a pretty good way to sum it up. But like, in terms of energy, w- when you think about what he could bring potentially in a playoff game, if you are down, um, there's a little bit of of his energy that he might be able to transfer to the team, right? Like bringing up the the intensity, bringing up the physicality. He's a guy that can spark stuff like that. you um, have seen somebody like Marshawn do it in the past, just a guy that's not afraid to just have a fight or um get in someone's face and just you know um bring people into the fight because uh, you you could see it at different points like after the whistle near near a goalie like he's just pushing people pushing people and then clifton comes and starts pu- and then like all of a sudden all the bruins are, are in this scrum and it's just like something to think about in the playoffs if you need a spark in a certain game i feel like he could be a guy for you that would do that
1: so um I think before we get to a couple of um, listener questions and some league news and the landscape of the uh, Easter conference in particular is just absolutely wild right now. Um, One final question for me, for you guys, Bruins related, uh, before we get to the things I just mentioned, but do you feel like um, the Bruins are done shopping, should be done shopping as wild as it's been the last couple of weeks, the deadline, has yet to arrive. Um, what do you guys think about about how the Bruins should handle the next few days here, if at all?
2: Well, I think some of it could depend on what kind of news they get today or tomorrow on Taylor Hall and Nick Felino Because if if either of both of those guys are out longer term and, you know, say even back by the playoffs, but I think you would probably really want to add another forward who can play in your third or fourth line if if those guys are out um if they're both just going to miss, you know, a game or two, that's not obviously going to be as pressing of a need, but either way I could see the Bruins adding another forward whether it's you know, another they're still overwhelmingly left-shot dominant versus right-shots even with the Hathaway addition. So it could be another, you know, right-shot winger. Uh I could still see, you know, a left-shot center who can maybe play wing. Um, being a position that they would have they would value a little bit. You know, we just saw this most recent stretch with Nosego, where Frederick did a perfectly solid job as fourth line center, but he's not as good on face-offs. And I think his ideal spot is still on the wing next to Coil. So I could still see that being another area where they might want to add. So I could see something. I don't think they have to add. Um, especially if Felino and Hall, you know, aren't gonna miss significant time but that's definitely where i would look is for you know another bottom six forward who can play and maybe someone with you know a little more pop um you know i really like hathaway but he's not he can probably move up to your third line in a pinch but is really ideally suited for the fourth line so if they can find someone else who might be able to move up to the third line and have a little more pop in his game like i could see I could see that being something they looked at
3: and this is was this kind of brought to your attention to, or not brought to your attention but like we had a listener question about this uh, from pj which said will the bruins consider playing the long-term ir card with felino or hall um which basically kind of referring to what the lightning did um where they were kind of able to circumvent the cap and uh put you know, put players on long-term IR and leave money open towards cap space that could be used to make, you know, maybe out a bigger piece rather than a depth forward. I'm not sure how much the Bruins can really do with that because I'd have to look up, but the, the contracts are obviously not the same. Like, they're, they're not a super high amount, so it doesn't open that much um, cap space for them. As Scott, you probably have a better answer to this, but how much would that even be feasible?
2: Well, I would say like if either one of those guys is out until the playoffs, then absolutely put them on long term IR and go use that money. I mean Hall six million dollars, Felino three point eight, like that's that's real money that, that you can use. So um but if they're only gonna be out a week, then I'm not doing that. Like I'm not I'm not holding them out for, you know, a month and a half longer than they need to miss, just so I can use long term IR, like if those guys are able to return in a week, I want them playing and getting their games ready for the playoffs, not sitting just so we can maneuver the cap. But, you know, if either or both of them is going to be out four to six weeks, well, that's kind of putting you towards the side of the playoffs. And suddenly I think that can and should be on the table.
1: No, no, real quickly, Bridget. I was just going to say, like, I agree with Scott. I think um it's like sometimes there's a fine line between adding what's necessary And then just adding, just to add, and then having too many chefs in the kitchen yelling, corner, corner, right? Like, (laughs)
3: getting greedy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, to Scott's point, if it's necessary, if you have the inclination that one of those guys genuinely could be uh, a little bit closer towards playoffs, then yeah, use it for what it's worth. Um, But I just don't like, at what point are you like, well, we could, if we, could, we could just pull up a guy from Providence if we needed, like, you know, just a depth guy. Like, so, um, yeah, that's all I wanted well, to say on that.
2: Yeah, I would just say, like, maybe, like, one option that comes to mind is, you know, Jim Montgomery already said he doesn't think Taylor Hall is serious, but – or I guess like, this could really work with either one of them. But say, you know, they are going to be closer to playoffs and you decide to go the long-term IR route. um James Van Riemsdyk with the Flyers is a guy who it seems like is probably available and is still a good player, still productive, still scores, still can play in a third line.
3: I like him too. Would Yeah,
2: would currently, I think, be prohibitive for the Bruins because I believe he has like a $7 million cap hit. But suddenly if you have a little extra cap space because you're using LTIR, maybe someone like that becomes an option.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.